Welcome to the Ministry Marks Podcast. My name is Thomas Majors, and I'm joined by David Haynes. We also have the same guest we had last week. Daniel Threadgill is with us, and Daniel is the head baseball coach at Kasu High School. And he, uh, why don't you just tell us real quick about your family? Yeah, uh, married to Anna Carter Threadgill of, of Ripley, and uh, three beautiful kids, Kyler's eighth grade, and Easton's in the sixth grade, and Blakely is pre-K. She keeps us on our toes, for sure. And um, I'm from Amory originally, so that's my background. I know I, my wife's from Ripley, and I'm I'm from Amory. Went to school at Hatley, small school there, so that's a little bit about my background. So if you want to know more about Daniel and hear some of his, his uh, coaching experience, you can listen to the podcast that was released last week. Today, we have Daniel to talk about a very serious subject, one that is very different than what we've talked about before on the podcast. So Daniel, we, we want to hear your story. We know that you got some life-changing news. I did. At the end of December, beginning of January. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the time moving up to that. Okay. You weren't feeling too good right no, after Thanksgiving. So tell us about it. So before, the week before Thanksgiving, we and I remember this, we moved in our new house November 15th. And I remember that day distinctly because my parents had come up to help me move. And my side was hurting. My stomach was hurting. Um, and I thought I'd pulled a muscle in my dad. My dad kept telling me to toughen up. We were moving furniture upstairs to, to Blakely's room. And, and I'm like, man, dad, I, said, I can't. I said, I must have pulled something getting this out of the truck. He went, oh, God, just get it up there. Get everything. <laughs> and, um, but it didn't, it didn't go away. And um, my wife, Toby, you know, she's like, it may be gas. And she's like, maybe you take, they take something. And it did relieve it. You know, it did relieve it. But I couldn't get any better. And so I went to pharmacy, talked to a friend of mine. He gave me some medicine and it, it seemed to work a little bit, but not much and on my on my stomach. And uh so I went to see my doctor and they thought I had diverticulitis where I had a, a stomach infection down there. And uh so gave me some antibiotics. I was on those antibiotics for ten days and it, it didn't seem to really help either. So to make a long story short, from the mid-November all the way up to December the 18th or 19th, um, she wanted to she wanted to rule out anything with my gallbladder or wanted to check see if I had gallstones. So she ordered a CT scan. So the day the day after we got out for Christmas break it was a Friday. So Anna and myself and Blakely went with us, and I did the I did a um, CT scan and a ultrasound of my stomach, make sure everything was okay. Left there and went to the movie theaters to see what was playing. It's Christmas break. You know, you go, you got all the time off of the kids. You going to keep them busy, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so we were seeing what was playing and was going to try to line some stuff up to take the kids to the movies. And uh, we got a phone call from the, from my doctor. She said, you need to come to my office now. So I knew it was, I knew it was serious. And in, in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going into surgery to not have my gallbladder removed. Is what I kind of thought. Catcher did strike in my head, but I'm thinking, I feel healthy as a horse other than my just stomach problems. Yeah. And um, I just was kind of, man, Anna, Anna was worried. And 
We drove to the clinic that day and we walked in and I knew it was serious when we walked in. They asked Blakely to stay and they had some nurses come out to sit with Blakely and let her color. And it was just me and Anna got called back there. And Liz, my doctor, set us down and she said, it's not good news. We found a mass in his colon. We believe it's cancer and it has spread to his liver. And that's when it hits you. And um, it was a, I remember just sitting there grinning for some reason. I don't know why. I was like, that's strange. It's the last thing I expected, you know. <laughs> and uh, I think Anna Anna took it way harder than than I did. Um, you don't know for sure. So you they order a colonoscopy and a biopsy the Friday after Christmas. Needless to say, Christmas was a somber time. It was still, we still had a good, we still had a good Christmas. I wasn't going to, you know, but the kids knew something was up. And we told the kids, we was honest with the kids that what could happen. But we had the biopsy, colonoscopy, come back. It was confirmed. It's, it's colon cancer. It's uh, stage four. There's some lymph nodes in my stomach that, some cells in my lymph nodes and, and it had moved over to my liver. So. There's about three masses on my liver they're concerned about. And then that's uh, met with an oncologist in Tupelo, uh, asked for a second opinion. They was able to work me in at Vanderbilt that same week. Uh, I was going to Nashville anyway for a baseball conference. And I mentioned that to him. I said, look, I'm, I'll be in Nashville this tomorrow, you know, starting two days, I'll be in Nashville if there's an opening, which is like really hard to get into Vanderbilt yeah. to see somebody. Lord willing, and just so happened that there was a cancellation on that Thursday. That's God's providence, and we um yeah. we was able to get in. And we, I mean, three days later, we were we were at Vanderbilt and met with Doctor Ng, who spent previous seventeen years at MD Anderson. So we're in good hands, and she confirmed everything and told us what she was going to do and how she was going to do it. And I said yes, ma'am, and and that's where we are now. So I am. I took my first round of chemo. At Vanderbilt, her instructions and treatments is what we do here at West Clinic in Corinth. And I'll go back for a, I finished my, I'm through three rounds of chemo and um, I'll do one more round and then I'll go back to Vanderbilt later in March and um, to, to do another CT scan to see where we're at from there. It's something that I didn't know is is right now as we're recording this podcast, you're taking a round of chemo right now. You have your I am you I get your bag on it is yeah. going through your port right now as we that's, speak. That's correct. I get chemo on Wednesdays and today's Thursday. Um, I get two rounds of chemo through basically an IV at the clinic. It takes about four hours. Then they give me a pack to wear another round of chemo that takes about forty six hours to run through, and I'll have it on for two days basically, and. Um, and that's how that works. And then it'll, and then I'll start over another two weeks. So the side effects of the chemo right now, uh, cold, cold sensations. Cold sensations. Yeah. One of the, one of the chemos gives me a real cold sensation, um, numbness in my fingertips when it's real cold. It, it's, I adapt to drink stuff at room temperature or it feels like razor blades going down my throat. And, um, it, breathing is, kind of difficult when it's real cold outside it, it feels like it's going down your esophagus or your it just kind of feels like it hurts there's nothing wrong there's nothing there's no problems going on it just feels like it hurts and um but the cold sensation is 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 big 
it seems like it's gotten worse over the last two treatments. The coach, how much weight have you lost? About 25 pounds. I was, I usually stay between 200 and 205. I uh, weighed yesterday at 183. I actually gained three pounds from the previous time. Okay, so, so that's good. And is I, your appetite still strong? The, the appetite is strong. I'll struggle eating the next few days. Okay. I'll, have to, keep yeah, I'll have to force myself to eat something. Friday, tomorrow will be rough. Saturday will be rough. Then it starts getting better. Gradually, I come. The last time I had chemo, I did come to church Sunday morning. That Sunday morning after chemo, it was a, it was a struggle. I'm not gonna lie, it was a struggle. I was give out. After Sunday, Monday, after chemo, usually my appetite starts coming back. It's not too bad. And then I, I use that week, that good week, to eat as much as I can. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll eat. I'll go. I'll go eat Russells. You know, I. <laughs> Eat Mexican, have somebody pay for it or something. <laughs> and uh, it will, I'll eat, I'll eat it up. I'll, I'll try to. My and my wife does such a great job of making me eat. She's just been a rock, a rock solid through all this, and been right there by my side. And I can't think of how anybody can go through this without that support. I don't know how you go through it without the church support. To be honest with you, without fellowship. Now, there's something your wife has to do as well. Like, she will have to uh, tell us about that. I don't, yeah, she I don't gets, fully um, understand. So. She, she got her medical degree from Vanderbilt in about two hours uh, <laughs> up there. Pretty quick. Uh, yeah, she, they show, she, has to pull the, um, she has to pull the needle out of my port on Fridays when I get this out. Now, the last couple of times she hadn't had to do it because I've been getting fluids on Friday. And they just use the port, and then when I get done with the fluids, they'll just take it out. But the uh, first couple, the first time, she has to um, pull the port out, the needle out, and clip it, clamp the lines, take get her gloves on, take the take the chemo part of it out, and make sure it don't spill or anything. Which it, it doesn't; it's out. It just you know, runs out. And then she she um, after she clamps the lines, she gets the chemo line out. And then she's got to go get her syringe or a saline where she flood, where she's, they got to flush the line to get all that stuff clean in the line. But she does that before she takes the port out, of course. So she's got to flush it and put some more medicine through it. Once she's done with that, she undoes the port, pulls it out of my skin, and it's, and it's done. She was telling me uh, some people the other day, and I was there. I don't re even remember where it was, but she said she's missed her calling. That she really loves doing <laughs> she that. She does. <laughs> she, yeah, she she likes to. She enjoys going with me to the West Clinic. She says I could do this one day because you're you're in there helping people. And there's nurses going back and forth, you know, offering candy, candy bars, drinks, some juice boxes, and and um, you know, hooking IVs up and 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 stuff and she's like i i should have i should have done something like that i told her i said look you can retire in about six years I said go back and do it baby it ain't gonna take you long so you've you've got a lot of family support why don't you tell I us do. about your family support we've already talked about anna some yep. if you want to talk more about her then sure but but you got a lot of family support i've got a lead to amory i've got a lot of family support across this nation i've got friends i went to college with that are pastors now, um, to, from Chicago, North Carolina to Idaho to, you know, you name it, Alabama, the Bogalusa, Louisiana, 
that, that I've got letters from and cards from and money from and, and prayers all over. But, but to simplify it through my close knit family, my life, I feel like I have three churches that are, that are, that are family oriented. My, my mother and daddy in law at Fellowship Baptist Church over in Ripley or, or Dumas, wherever you want. Buena Vista, I don't know where you call it. It's all the same to me. But um, it's in Tippa <laughs> County it's not somewhere. to them. Yeah, that's, it's, all, it's all separate it's all, to them. It's all southern Tippa County, I guess, or wherever. But um, but Fellowship Baptist Church is is praying, you know, lights out because of my in-laws. Meadowwood Baptist Church in Amory, Dr. Lloyd Swed and Rita are great people, and that's where my dad's a deaconette. And mom teaches Sunday school there. They're overwhelmed with support there. And I know I got that church. My brother goes there also, teaches Sunday school there also. And then here at Holly, can't say enough about this place. Just, just crazy. And, um, and I've got friends at Clint Hoots. At, at, I go, so uh, that's how I first heard about that's it. That's right. In our deacons know. meeting, our deacons are praying mm-hmm. for you because right. one of our deacons, Coach Clint Hoots, is a yep. friend of yours from way yes. back. Yep. And, and he told us about it and, and you're on our prayer list. Oh, yeah. And, and, there's tons even of referees, even I, officials. That's right. Even but, ref, even umpires. Yes, right. Because uh, Pee Wee <laughs> at Pleasant Ridge Baptist yeah. Church, he uh, put it on their prayer chain. And oh, uh, Pee Wee, he called me the other day getting some baseball information about the Jamboree game, and he told me that he told me I was on the prayer list there. He's something else. Yes, and, and you say family, then there's there's the coaching family. We all know each other in the coach family, like pastors have them. All the pastors know each right. other. You know, if you went to Blue Mountain and you're a pastor, then you know each other. And y'all, That's right. Just like coaches are. And I'm so overwhelming of all the baseball, high school baseball coaches in North Mississippi that's reached out that are praying that I know they're praying that they go to church and wherever they go to church at, I'm in that, I'm on that prayer list. And then there's the Kossuth baseball community and family, the teacher, the faculty that are there that, they're dispersed all over Alcorn County in churches, whether it be Pentecostal Church or Baptist Church, Church of right. Christ. It's it they're everywhere. And and you you see that support there also. And of course the baseball players and moms and dads have been great, you know, and that's to me, it's all family. How much does that mean to you? It means a great deal to me. You don't think about it. Uh it means a great deal to, to open up a mailbox and see four or five cards from Holly Baptist Church. People write you a letter. I get a card from Metalwood uh, on Wednesday nights. They do a prayer list, and they'll have my name on a card, and everybody that's in the sanctuary will sign it. And they'll email, and they'll email me. I mean, not email me. They'll Snail they'll mail, they'll yeah. mail me. Yeah. yeah, the old time of yeah. giving information. Snail mail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. snail <laughs> mail me uh, that card, and I'll see. I'll get to see everybody's name because being a part of Metalwood, I know all of their names, and I they'll write little "I love you," you know, out beside their name and. My mom and dad's names on there that I'm seeing my mom and dad's name. They're praying for their son. It's on the card. My brother's name will be on there and Robert and Randy Mitchell, who are good friends of ours, you know, will be on there and they'll write little stupid stuff on there because they, they know it's going to me, you know, and, and it's, it's fun to get that prayer card and see what, what everybody says, you know, uh, brother Shane Evitz, uh, that was at Wheeler Grove that went to Thrasher Baptist, he'll send me a card, you know, ever so often. Yeah, is his son Luke one of your players? No, West? he plays basketball. Play I've basketball. never coached Luke. Yeah. You know, I just know Shane from 
uh, being up here before. We were real close and um, just to, he was always around school doing FCA stuff and and uh, just got to know Shane well. Always liked Shane. Daniel, we want to ask you some questions and. I, I feel like I have a great relationship with you and mm-hmm. we can we can really ask you some questions that sure. other people might not feel comfortable asking you. Right. And I've I've come across that. I don't really know what to say sometimes. And I, and I've got really close friends where I've I have they have told me that a lot of people call they get a hundred calls a day asking about me, but I but they you won't, don't get yeah, them. Yeah, I don't get them, which is fine with me. <laughs> I'm okay with, yeah. with that. And they probably don't want to bombard me or but they, they call all the time to other people that they know I'm close to to ask about me and what's going on. I can understand that. So we want to ask you some questions. The first one I want to ask you is, you know, since that time of December the 18th? Yeah, 18th or 19th. I can't remember exactly, but it was a Friday when we got out of first Christmas break. So from that Friday until now, how would you say your relationship with Christ has changed or if it has changed? Well, that's a good question. You would you would want to think it hasn't changed a whole lot, but it has to change a little. You want to be faithful all the time and you want to always be faithful and, and circumstances shouldn't change the way you go about your Christian walk every day. But it has in a sense where you become closer. When you get news like this, you prepare mentally, I think, for the worse. And with that comes a higher thought process of the afterlife, whether that's hard to, for listeners to, to hear or not. Um, you think about those things. Yeah. And, and in my case, death has never bothered me. The only thing that I fear is, you know, leaving the kids and the wife. You know, they've got, they've got to deal with it. I'm okay. You know, I'm I'm like, I'm in a win-win situation here. You know, if everything works out, I'm good. If I don't make it to Christmas next year, then I'll be walking beside John and he'd be showing me the Jasper walls or something, you know? So I'm, I feel like I'm fine. I'm coming out on the good end of this thing, but it hurts. You know, you don't, you don't want your kids to forget you, you know, and that's, that was a struggle. Coach, let, let me ask you this. You've mentioned your your parents already in this podcast. Mm-hmm. You mentioned your parents in a previous podcast. And I know each person's relationship with their parents are a little bit different than the the next people down, down the line. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, whenever you're talking with your mom and your dad, do they want to talk about it or do they not want to talk about the cancer diagnosis? They do. Um, they do want to talk about it, but now my mom and dad are tough in this, these situations because my brother's nine years older than I am, but when he was born, he was born with a bad heart. So he's had multiple open-heart surgeries and has been in his last open-heart surgery was in UAB. He's got a pacemaker right here, and when he was seven, six, seven years old, they said he wouldn't make it through the night, and they called mom and dad in, and he's still here. You know, yeah. so so your fi- your family dynamic is a my, little bit. Different. My family dynamic is a little bit different with with my mom and dad. Probably come across to being a little bit. I I don't want to. They don't. <laughs> they deal. With, it's difficult to deal with, but they're not immune to this situation. Yeah, to these situations, they know what God can do. Yeah, they've seen it and lived it. So it so it may come across where it may not bother them, but I mean it does. They've been here before. They know the emotional side of it. 
but I'm the baby of the family, so they tend to treat me a little different. I got you. you I can tell you were the baby by looking at you. <laughs> they, they're they're up here as much as they can get up here, and uh, they're always they always come on treatment day. They have, she cooked some pork chops last night, some carrots, some potatoes. So it has its perks. Yeah, you know? sure. It sounds yeah. like it, man. <laughs> it sounds good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Coach Threadgill, um, I spoke with someone some time back. They have multiple children, but they lost a child at mm. a young age due to a health difficulty. And I asked him as a dad, I said, what was that like? And he said, well, discipleship played a large role in our surviving that and getting through it. And he said that discipleship helps you ease into the process of a life-changing, life-altering situation. He said, had we not been discipled, the death of our child would have been like going from zero to 60. He said it would have just been too fast. It would have been too much. He said, but because we had been walking with the Lord through discipleship and through following the Lord, Mm -hmm. he said it was just another hurdle. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like your cancer diagnosis has has been alleviated or some of the trauma from it through your walk with the Lord and through your discipleship that you find yourself in? Absolutely. I can't imagine doing this or going through this without being part of church or being Christian or, or even going through a discipleship. I do think there's discipleship's a great word. It's the word Christian in New Testament may be mentioned three times if I'm correct. Discipleship and disciple is mentioned hundreds. And and um that's a key component of the Christian walk is discipleship. What you do every day, where you walk, what, how you say things, what you talk, getting discipleship training uh, here at church, going through things, everything that we do here, the walk that we lead does help with limiting the pain or getting through some adversity stuff. I cannot imagine what it would be like to lose a child. I, I just can't imagine that. But the discipleship part of it has, to me, has eased my pain. I have never, in in going through all this, I've never been upset, never been angry at God, never asked questions, why me? I just, just haven't done that. It's never crossed my mind because in the world we live in, and, you know, Brother Thomas's stresses, we, we just live in a, a sin world. It's no different than the... 9-11 happening. Those people were innocent. What, what, why am I any more special than people who went to work one day and never came home or a child that gets sick? I think sometimes as Christians, we this is bad to say, but when people get sick or get cancer like that, maybe God's punished them for something. You know, and I've thought that. I've thought maybe I don't know, all the sin I've committed in my life, God's punished me for that. And I talked to Anna about that. And my, and my wife, we were going down the road, and my wife grabbed my hand. And she looked at me and she said, if that's the case, we'd all have it. Right. right. You know, we'd, we'd all have problems. And it really made me think about, well, you're right, because there's, you go to St. Jude and they didn't ask that's for right. that. You go to Shriners in the hospital and what they're dealing with and those kids, they didn't do anything to deserve that. It's just a sin nature world that we live in. And when I, you know, understood that a little bit better and had to be kicked in the butt about it, you get through it. It made it a lot easier, you know, made it a lot easier to accept it and go on about it. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight it best I can. And, um, we're going to fight and whatever happens happens, but we'll leave it at that. The most important thing I want is whatever happens, God gets glory for it in, in all aspects of it. 
And that to me, that's the most important thing because people are going to see how I react to it. People are going to see how my wife reacts to things, whether it be good or whether it be bad. That's not a natural way of reacting to a diagnosis like cancer. That is a reaction based upon scripture and based upon discipleship and based upon hearing sermons and and prayer and walking with God, you know. Yeah, it's being in tune with the Spirit of the Lord. That's really what it is. Yeah. yeah, because a natural reaction would be to be upset, to be angry, to be all of those things. But I really like what he said, uh, that God would be honored and glorified mm-hmm. through yeah. what through what happens. So, Oh, it needs to be a testimony for sure. All right, Coach, how have others in the church and community reached out to you? Now, you've mentioned some of that, yeah. but I'm sure there are, how would we want to describe that? Acts of love and kindness oh, wow. that have been done. Yeah, acts of love and kindness. You know, here at the church, people praying uh, the day that I was supposed to go for that biopsy, that Sunday morning before that, y'all, you called me up front and the men come up and put hands on me and prayed meant so much. It meant, it meant a lot to my father when I told him that and my mother. And um, that was that was good. They they feel comfortable, you know, they feel like, yeah, that's, that's good stuff there. They need to do that, you know? And so, um, but that, that from the church family, and of course I'm here as much as I can. So everybody talks to me and tells me they're praying for them. There's been, there's been the community reach out. There's been bracelets made. There's shirts being made at school. Hashtag team blue, because my, my nickname's blue, but the, Color for colon cancer is blue also. So it kind of works out where, oh, yeah. they, where they do the hashtag team blue. So that's been really neat to to watch and see a lot of people wearing T-shirts. Corinth baseball, that's a county rivalry baseball team that you have respect for, for Coach Scar over there. And uh, I know he respects me. He loves me. He's told me that and I love him too. And, you know, everybody's just fighting and praying and I get messages all the time about that and that's metal would you know metal was doing some similar stuff and and um i don't i, I can't there there's no way i could sit here and explain everything that has come across right to our desk and and what anna has done and uh what anna has received also it's it's been crazy i i couldn't tip the iceberg of people that have reached out and gave and gave and gave and coach You've mentioned in this podcast that you are a father of three mm-hmm. and a husband of one. So let me ask you this. <laughs> That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that is a good thing. <laughs> let me ask you this. How has it changed you? As a... <laughs> oh, so if you weren't, Anna. Yeah. Anna. <laughs> a husband of one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as a father of three and a husband of one, I'm sure this has changed your perspective. So if you could kind of do some some inspection here, how yeah. have you changed as a husband and a father because of this? diagnosis well it's going through the chemo right now in this week's it's it's tough to be a father and husband because you're you're down for a week and then you're then you're okay for a week and you're trying to recuperate and you don't want to overexert yourself so but moving forward you know i can see there's more time i want to spend with them because you're not guaranteed tomorrow and all through all of this, I understand you're not guaranteed tomorrow. So the the time wise, uh, with you know, that little girl and that boy and um and and Skylar, I've I've made a lot of 
extra effort when I haven't felt well to go see Skylar cheer, you know, because I want her to see me there. Yeah. Um, even though I may feel bad, I think she needs to see me there. If I can't stay 10 minutes or, yeah. or 15, 20 minutes, just me being there and her seeing me cheer and flip. Seeing her tear and flip, not me. <laughs> seeing you but, tear and flip. Yeah. We would all come see that. Yeah, I, I wouldn't pay money for that. Um, but she needs to see that. And, you know, Easton and I will get in there and we'll watch weird stuff on TV, you know, and play Fortnite, whatever. And then Blakely, she's just, she's tons of fun to be around, you know. So you got to worry about a dull moment with her. Uh, but more time and, and more time with Anna. We, we don't get out on a date like we'd like to, you know, we did. And, and when we do, like we went to, we went to Smith's the other night up here, steakhouse yeah. and we took Blakely with us. We can leave the older two at home by themselves cause they'll be okay. Yeah. We take Blake with us. And it's not really, and it's kind of like being alone, but it's not. Yeah. Cause she yeah. can kind of do her own thing. She's not that, she's not that big problem. But I can't remember last time, man. And I just went out, you know, by ourselves. And that's important for, for coaches from pastor, you know, you need some time to just have a date, but it may, you know, it makes you think more. It makes you want to go more because she does, she does so much for me right now. She said she's having to carry the burden a lot because I can't at night race Blakely up the stairs, you know, and, and she's got to put them to bed. She's got to get the milk ready because I can tell you what, tonight I'm going to be wore out. I'm going to get there and I'm going to try to eat something. I'm going to get in the recliner and I'm going to have to take my medicine. And after I take my medicine, then I start trying to crash. And I don't know how tonight's going to go. You know, I usually usually Thursday nights kind of start it. You know, I start feeling bad on Thursday nights. It hit me or, or Friday. She's got to pick it up, you know. It's tough on her. How has your sickness affected the way you relate to others with a similar sickness? More passionate, number one. Um, but I've always said that through this and seeing – seeing people that has helped me in the community get behind me, it's made me realize that I don't do enough. Plain and simple, point blank. I realized that I don't do enough for people who's in need. And I've made a point to say that me and Anna both, you know, when this gets over and done with and I'm, I can, you know, even when I can, you know, during this time, if there's people in need, then we're going, then I'm going to do something. Mm. Let them know that I'm thinking about them. A text, a phone call, drop something off. The the meals that we had, we've had people sign up when this happened in January. There's been people signed up through the middle of March to bring us meals on yeah. Wednesday night and Friday night. And and we didn't because of the storm last night. We told them not to worry about it. And and my my mom had made some the pork chops. So tonight we're going to get that lasagna. You know, and it and it takes a burden off Anna. Yeah. And, and but if we can do that for somebody, you know, take them out to eat to Mexican restaurant, or then that's what we need to do. And it just made me realize how little I do. You know, and it's sad, but I, it's okay. You know, I'll I'll fix it. 
Yeah. Well, Coach, my next question is kind of a is kind of a combo question. This is about you, but it, but it is it's really to my podcast partner, in crime over there, Thomas. Hello. Uh, you guys, uh, Coach, we've we've spent about an hour and a half, two hours together today, and it has been so much fun off the air. Uh, <laughs> these two guys are actual friends. We have a pastor who is friends with a congregant. I've Can never you believe seen that? that? Happen before. Yeah, yeah. But these two guys, they've been picking at each other, and it has been so much fun just to watch them. So, Thomas, if I can ask you, you we are sitting with one of your church members who is a personal friend of yours, but you know he's got the stage four cancer diagnosis. As a pastor slash friend, how has it changed your relationship with Coach Threadgill? First of all, I, I would just say that on the day he went to the doctor, that Friday, I had been quail hunting with my dad and Tom Tom. And I'd planned that and I had my phone off. And and then by the time we got back, I looked and I had a couple of phone calls from him and a text that said, give me a call when you can. And when I called him, and he just he just kind of said, All right, I've been to the doctor. They've they've let me know that there's some type of mass and and just the shock of that moment that was shock, but I, but I really felt guilty as well because, because I wasn't there to take his phone call. David knows, and I'm sure Daniel knows as well, uh, because his dad being a, a deacon, him spe- being around the church all the time, pastors feel for their, for, for the people in the church. And, uh, and I grieved for him. I grieved for him. And it takes a while to build up, and I don't remember if it was, it wasn't the day of, but it was at least probably the week after, which would have been sometime around Christmas. I was just talking to my wife, and just all the emotion of that just hit me, and 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 I grieved for him and with him and with his family, and so I, I would just say, you know, there's an emotional pull that we as pastors have for the people in our congregation. And then especially when the ones that you're closer to than some of the others, it's even more felt. Is there something else you want to say? I, I was going to say one one more thing along the lines of the situation I'm dealt with and, and, and hoping and praying God gets all the glory for this. My situation is unique, of course, and I've always said I'm glad it's me and not anybody else. Uh, if if what I go through, I, I have not done just tons for the kingdom. If this is my cross to bear, if I, if I reach one person or one person gets saved through all this, then I'm fine with it. I'm good with this. I'm good with having I'll wear this. I'll take it. I'll do it if it reaches one person, and I'm all right with it. Well, Coach Reggio, man, this is we have enjoyed this time talking with you over the series of two podcasts. We want to thank you so much for your time, uh, for the effort that you've made, uh, for the discussion that you brought to this table. And, and we're going to close this session with, with a time of prayer. And for those of you who are Ministry Mars listeners, and Coach, I know you, you listen. You listen <laughs> to, our, to our podcast. I do. For those of you who are Ministry Mars listeners, at this point, we want to ask you to pray. You may be driving down the road. You keep on driving. We want you to pray. You may be in your home. You may be at your 
office. Uh, you may be a security guard who who is listening to this as you're working at night. We want you to pray right now for Coach Daniel Threadgill. So let's bow together, guys, and I'm going to voice this prayer before we conclude this podcast. So let's pray together. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come to you, Lord. We are so thankful, Lord, for Coach Threadgill. We're thankful for his wife. We're thankful for his family, children, his parents, his brother. Lord, we're thankful for, for what you have done through this family. And Lord, we pray for healing. We're not bashful about asking this, God. We are asking a specific prayer, and we will ask that you allow him to be healed. Lord, as he's been mentioning the benefit of heaven, uh, Lord, we also pray that your will be done. We pray that the overwhelming uh, nature of everything that's going to be going on will be to the glory of God. And Lord, we are thankful that we can glorify you through Jesus Christ. We pray for healing and we pray for your will to be done. We pray, Lord, during this process that you'll have open doors, that Coach will be able to talk with people. Lord, I pray for students at Kasuth High School. Lord, Kasuth is near and dear to my heart, and I pray that students will be saved because of something that Coach Threadgill will say or do, and I pray that he will take advantage of every open door. Lord, I pray for the parents of the young men who are in his program. I pray for the assistant coaches. Lord, I, I, I pray I pray for those who will know who know him. I pray for his neighbors, and I pray for those who will hear of his story and what you have done and what you're going to do through his life. Lord, I pray that you will bless. I pray that that one of these days when he gets to heaven. There will be people he'll be able to shake hands with who, who will be able to say, I'm there because of what you went through. So, Lord, help his family through this time. We pray for strength. We pray for his health. And we pray that you will bless. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. Amen. Coach Regio, this has been an honor. It has been a privilege to be able to sit down and talk with you. Thomas, this has been a very good podcast on discussing a very difficult situation. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Join us again next time at Ministry Marks. Mm-hmm.